today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What's the Spirit of God saying to the church today? The Spirit of God is saying to the church today, don't be deceived. Don't depart from the truth. Don't follow after these doctrines of demons. Hold on. Hold on. I'm coming. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Timothy. Do you know what the Spirit of God is saying to the church today? Today, you learn from Pastor J.D.'s message to stay alert. Make sure your ears are open to hearing from the Lord. Pastor J.D. explains that the Spirit of God is saying to hold on to the truth of God, to not be deceived, and to not depart from the Word. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of this broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 1 Timothy chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. And verse 20, very well-known verse, always used in the context of evangelism, which is fine. You know, behold, I stand at the door and knock. But in its true context, it's not knocking on the door of the heart of the non-Christian, not that Jesus doesn't. Of course He does. It's not God's will that any should perish, but He's knocking on the door of a church that has kicked Him outside of the church. That's why he says, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door. Stop right there. Aren't you glad, Laodicean church, that he didn't just leave? He's still at the door. He's not giving up because he loves you so much. He's standing at the door. He's, he's, he's standing and he's knocking. So, but they can't hear it. Because they got a rock concert, it's too loud in the worship in that church. <laughs> Sorry, that came out of nowhere, but whatever, you can do with it, whatever you want. And then he says this, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now, in our culture, in our day, we completely miss this, the significance of this. Whenever we partake together of communion, we talk about this, the importance, the significance of breaking bread and eating together. You form an unbreakable bond unto death. You know, here in America, there's, I mean, it's, you know, it's nothing. So what? In the Middle East, to this day, everything is centered around food, which, <laughs> anyway, that's my story and I'm sticking with it. But the reason is, is because it's, it brings peace, it brings people together that were heretofore at enmity with one another. 
I shared about how many years ago when I was a young boy, my uh, family had a family feud. I mean a real family feud. Listen, you've not seen a feud until you've seen Arabs feud. We know how to feud, man. We wrote the book on it. Lasted for seven years. And they, I mean, it was, it was horrible. I just remember as a kid, especially during holidays, you know, everybody had to, oh, they're going to be there. Well, we'll have to come after them. So we couldn't, you know, it was just, it was horrible. And then finally, there was a coming together and a preparing of this huge feast. Took months. And the, the coming together and eating together was how they made peace one with another. That's what Jesus is saying here. Uh, We need to break bread together, sup together. I sup with you, you sup with me. And that's what he's asking. I would even venture to say pleading with them to do. And then in verse 21 he says, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And then verse 22, every one of the seven letters ends this way. He who has an ear, that's rhetorical. I I have an ear. Actually, I have two. We talked about this Thursday night. You know those uh, sayings about God gave you two ears and one mouth, so you'd listen twice as much as you speak. That was written for me. And then, and then also, I know I, know I uh, got some comments on this, but have you noticed that we don't have ear lids? That was the same reaction on Thursday night, so I'm just going to leave that one there too. We have eyelids. We can shut our eyes. We can't shut our ears, but we do. You know how you can be listening to somebody, but not really listening? I mean, you're, oh, you've, you've got it down. You can insert the, you know, oh, hmm, it's all right, in the right places to feign <laughs> that you're listening, but you're not listening. I mean, they're, they're talking, and then they catch you. They'll say, are you listening? You go, yeah, yeah. What did I say? Um, what, okay, tell me again. <laughs> oh, you weren't listening. In other words, just because you have an ear doesn't mean you hear Uh, apparently they have ears, but they're not hearing. So he says, he who has an ear, and you do, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let me just say one more thing on this, and then we'll move on to the Church of Philadelphia. So the Holy Spirit speaks, but he does so in a still, small voice. Again, we talked about this on Thursday night. The problem with us is that the volume of our lives is so loud, we can't hear. We have ears, but we can't hear. I shared about my high school teacher, Mr. Bowman. He had one of those really soft, he was one of those really soft-spoken you know, monotone, very soft voice. And I'll never forget the first day in class. He starts off, we're all, you know, hey, (laughs) you know. And he starts off this way. Okay, class, at this time I'd like for you to take your seat and we'll begin 
the class today. And of course, leave it to me. I'm not proud of this, but you know, I'm like, hey, I can't hear you. Speak up. To which he says, no, quiet down. This is how I speak. And if you want to hear what I have to say, you're going to have to bring the volume down so you can. And I did. He was actually one of my favorite teachers. And I just had such a, and I had an opportunity actually at our 10 year class reunion to tell him, Mr. Bowman, I just want you to know that you are the object of many of my sermon illustrations. And I just want to say thank you. And I love you. (laughs) And I explained to him how I, you know, use that example about how God speaks. You know, God's not going to compete. He's not going to, we have all of these voices clamoring for our attention. And and it's like God's going, you know, I'm I'm God. I'm not going to compete with that. I think about Elijah. Talked about him Thursday night. I can't wait to meet this guy. What an amazing guy. You know, after the contest there on the... um, Mount Moriah, right? Man, it's been a rough week. Anyway, the, uh, with the prophets of Baal, and he calls down fire from heaven, consumes the sacrifice after they couldn't, obviously. And then he slays 450 uh, prophets of Baal. And then Jezebel hears about it and says, uh, I'm going to do the same thing to you this time tomorrow that you did to the prophets. And what does Elijah do? He runs for his life. He's got a hit out on his life. And he runs into this cave, and he's hiding. And then God comes. And first, there's this great earthquake. Oh, surely God's going to be in the earthquake and speak through the great earthquake. But he's not in the earthquake. And then there comes this mighty rushing wind. Oh, sure. I mean, this is Elijah we're talking about. He's going to be in the, in the wind and speak in the mighty wind. No, he's not in the mighty wind. And then this third one, you would think for sure, fire. Why? I I mentioned this, I'm not dogmatic about this, but I really think that Elijah had a thing for fire. You know, maybe one of what they call him a pyromaniac, right? Because, you know, he calls down fire and then, you know, he's going to go up in a fiery chariot. You know, so surely God, if he wants to speak to Elijah, he's going to use fire because that's where that's what this guy's into. But he's not in the fire. What is he in then? Oh, the still, small voice. I know this dates me every time I mention it, but back in the 70s, there was this shampoo commercial. And this woman gets on and she says, if you want to get somebody's attention, whisper. You got my attention. (laughs) What'd you say? Yeah. That's how the Holy Spirit gets our attention. You know, when somebody's yelling at you, like I do every week, (laughs) you tune them out, right? I mean, when they hit a certain note, my mom, bless her heart, you know, she would, with her thick accents, you know, yell, I knew I was in trouble. But man, when she hit that octave, it was like two octaves higher, and hit that note, that was it. I didn't hear anything. All I heard was, I didn't hear a thing. Completely tuned her out. Now, in those rare times when she would come to me and very softly say, 
Come, I want to tell you something. Oh my God, what? Like you're looking at me right now. What? That's the Holy Spirit. That's how He speaks. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches and turn the volume down so you can. I'm getting very convicted right now. So we're going to move on to the church of Philadelphia in the same chapter, Revelation 3, beginning in verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, not of the Philadelphians, to the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. And interesting, what he opens, no one can shut. Even in a lockdown, that's not again in the original, but just saying. And what he shuts, no one can open. And then he says this verse, say, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. I know that you're barely hanging on. Yet you have kept my word. You have not departed from the truth. You have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those, verse 9, who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, verse 10, and this is important, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. That's the seven-year tribulation. That's the se- That comes upon the whole world, that's the seven-year tribulation. And what's Jesus saying to this church that hasn't denied His name, departed from the truth, kept His word, hanging on <laughs> with little strength, hanging on by a thread? The promise is, I'm going to take you out, keep you from that which is coming upon the entire world. Just hang on. If you were to put a caption and sum up this letter to this church, it would go something like this. I know you're barely hanging on. Not much longer. Not much longer. You keep hanging on. I know you're barely hanging on. I know you have little strength. I think of Jesus saying, when I return, will I even find faith on the earth? That is an indictment of the condition of His church at the time of His return. This is what the church is going to be like. This is what the church is going to look like. And He's acknowledging it. And He's encouraging this church. You know, of the seven churches, there were only two churches that were not rebuked by the Lord. The church of Smyrna and this church here in Philadelphia. Interesting to note, the names... Again, like Laodicea, the laity, diocese, decide, rule, call the shots. Philadelphia, you know, is from the Greek word philia, brotherly love. 
That's what described this church. How are they going to know that you're my disciples, that you're really, truly my disciples? By your love, one for another. That's how. Not the size of your Bible or the stickers on your car, <laughs> but the love that you have. one for, How you treat one another, that's how they're going to know. So Smyrna, the name, comes from myrrh, a bitter herb that when crushed releases a magnificent fragrance. This was the crushed, persecuted church of Smyrna for whom there was no rebuke. The name is the nature. The name describes, you can go through all seven of them, and the name is an apt description of the condition of that particular church. Now, I was thinking about this this last week especially, and <laughs> in the days and weeks that lie ahead, if we're still here. It's really interesting what's happening in the church today, isn't it? I read an article that one in five churches are going to close and never to open again. One in five, that's 20%. They're gone. And the infighting right now amongst churches, you have no idea how bad it is. And getting worse. And it's almost like it's decision time. So this manufactured pandemic, that's what it is, has exposed the true condition of the church today. And I have to confess that perhaps like many of you, I'm, I'm a little surprised. I'm a little taken back by it. I would, I, honestly, I, I've been blindsided by it. Pastors warring with each other, churches attacking one another. They, they're, they're closed, they're open. War! They make you wear a mask, they don't. War! I mean, it's like anything and everything that can possibly be something that they fight about, they're fighting about. And then some. I, I keep bringing Black Lives Matter into it because I think it's apropos. And it's not Black Lives Matter, it's Eternal Lives Matter. You've got pastors standing with Black Lives Matter, and you have these other pastors that are barely hanging on going, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, I guess truth be known, the Lord departed when they departed long ago. And this is just what happens. It's just the consequences of a departure from the truth and sound doctrine. Well, he goes on, verse 11, and I love this, I love this, I love this. I am coming soon. Hold on. Oh my goodness. How did you know? I mean, here's me. Here's you. I'm just holding on. I'm coming. Hang in there. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. 
Uh, this is interesting again, because like with the church of Laodicea, and really all seven churches, he's speaking metaphorically, specifically to what they knew in that city at that time. What's interesting about Philadelphia is there were so many earthquakes, and all of the structures and the pillars came tumbling down, and they would have to leave the city in the wake of the destruction. And so when he says that I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, never again will they leave it, they got it. Just hold on. He says, and I love this part too. I love the whole thing actually, but I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. Right there. I can't wait for my new name. I don't like my name. I mean, come on, think about it. Frog. I'm getting a new one. You know how when the groom marries the bride? My poor wife. Beautiful last name, Lynn. Oh. And here I come along and change it to Frog. But this is the bridegroom to the bride saying, you're going to get my name on you. And by the way, and we've talked about this in Prophecy Updates, when God says, out of all of the cities, out of all of the tribes, I have chosen Jerusalem to put my name on my name of ownership, Jerusalem, out of all the cities. And to find out that the name of God in the sheen is literally on Jerusalem. It is so fascinating. That's what he's saying here. Put my name on you. Let me give you a new name, new nature. And then verse 13, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What's the Spirit of God saying to the church today? The Spirit of God is saying to the church today, don't be deceived. Don't depart from the truth. Don't follow after these doctrines of demons. Hold on. Hold on. I'm coming. I know you're of little strength. And I know it's bad. And I know you you not only are holding on, but you're in some ways standing alone, just not much longer. I'm coming. I'm coming. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from First Timothy with Pastor J.D., approach each piece of wisdom prayerfully and ask God to show you how you can apply what you learn to your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word, so keep reading. If you're not part of a local church that you can call home, we encourage you to find and begin regularly attending one in your area. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. This can be found on our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
While you're there, you can also find more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of 1 Timothy together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know how we can be doing that for you? Just fill out the contact form that you'll find under the About tab at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and in spirit and truth. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth, verse-by-verse study of 1 Timothy on In Spirit and Truth. 